0: Welcome to the Secretaire Podcast. I'm Ryan Dilks, and I'm joined by the Steve Cooper to my Alice Cooper.
1: It's Justin Peach. Good day to you, Ryan. Justin, how the hell are you? I'm uh, I'm good. All things considering, yeah. I think the Alice Cooper uh, reference is a bit harsh. Alice Cooper's a legend. Yeah, I'm
0: Alice Cooper. You're Steve Cooper. You're the Steve Cooper's a legend as well. Yeah, you're the. Slightly overachieving championship manager who may not be as looked in as good light when he inevitably gets sacked by Forrest in a year's time.
1: <laughs> we'll take it well, we'll I, take
0: it, well, I am the rock legend.
1: <laughs> Grasping at straws, but yeah. Yeah, let's go.
0: <laughs> yeah, this is the number one championship-specific podcast, the second tier. Thank you for joining us wherever you are, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, it's another preview show. We're going to look ahead... talk about some of the big news from the past few days and boy oh boy the championship never fails to disappoint in that category and finally we'll finish off with a craig bryson pub quiz right at the end it's my turn to answer the questions this week i'm trusting justin has picked a good player for once but we'll wait and see on that one uh, before we get things underway may i point you in the direction of fans bets the fan-led sports betting company committed to supporting charities and causes which are important to fans. Make sure you check them out at fansbet.com and claim your Bet10 10, Get Ten plus 50 free spins welcome offer. Terms and restrictions apply. Full details on site. 18 plus, please do gamble responsibly. Visit bGambleaware.org for more info. And do also check out Fans Bet Responsible gambling tools. You will see us contributing to their social content talk in all things championships. So do give them a follow. And we have very much enjoyed that over the past week. Haven't we, Justin, Giving our thoughts oh, yes. in very quick fashion? Um, so, yeah, keep an eye out for that on on Twitter. It's good fun, isn't it? Uh, right, Justin. Let's talk about some of the big games in the Championship this weekend. We'll start off with Stevie Coop's first game in charge of the Tricky Trees. It's Forest v Millwall, Justin. Uh, If you're Steve Cooper, would you be looking at this game and thinking this is a good chance to get three points on the board in your first game?
1: Millwall? Um, I don't think so. I think you're looking to just get off to a steady start, Uh, a more positive start Um, than perhaps Chris Hutton. Uh, has got Forest fans uh, used to essentially. The um, Forest haven't won at home in five and they've conceded at least two goals in each of those games. I think Forest fans will just be looking for a performance that they see a, a light at the end of the tunnel because it's been a rough ride for them uh, in terms of style of play, performances, um, and in terms of Steve Cooper, it's a very difficult game as your first game. Um, we know what Gary Rowett's like, Garrett Drawett shall we say. Um, so it's going to be a difficult, difficult game for um I didn't write that down, by the way. <laughs> I, had to, I had to lay it in. Um, yeah, it's going to be a difficult game for Forest. <laughs>
0: um, I think, yeah, I'd agree with you. Forest fans will probably be hoping for an instant sign that Steve Cooper is going to be the man to finally make this club, uh, club progress but considering how crap they've been so far this season then I think just signs small signs of progression will be good enough for me anyway um, Tightening up that defence will be the first thing and Steve Cooper as we saw with Swansea last season one of the best defences in the division um, that will be his first task I'm sure and then it's building up towards the other end of the pitch where Forest have equally been not very good so far this season. Um mm-hmm. but if they show signs that they are willing to play a more expansive style of football, then I think that will please Forest fans because under Chris Houghton they've been, you know, subject to some turgid performances recently and that's not been um helped by the tactics that Chris Houston likes to employ. Having said that, Steve Cooper isn't necessarily the most adventurous in his tactics either, but um, I, I wonder if he will look at what Forest fans have been saying about Chris Hughton's style of play and be thinking to himself, maybe we have license to be a bit more adventurous.
1: It's a good, it's a good, uh, it's a good theory, I guess. Um, I think being more expansive isn't necessarily where Forest need to go. They just need to be a results-oriented side, especially in the interim while Steve Cooper finds his feet. Um, Now if we look at Sabri Lamushi, that was winning football, it wasn't attractive attacking football, there were sparks at times, you're looking at that Fulham goal at Craven Cottage where there was numerous passes, and there were goals like that throughout the season, but they were probably more of a defensive side than they were attacking, and obviously with Chris Hutton built on very solid foundations last season, we thought it was a platform to build on this season, it hasn't happened. Steve Cooper I think is a blend of good attacking play and good defensive play, but as we saw with his Swansea side, when they go one or 2 nil up, that's when they start to be a bit more defensive. Um, so I think that was a learning curve for for Steve Cooper and as well for Forest fans, it's just something that they, they might have to get used to rather than it being an attacking, expansive style of play that they crave.
0: But they've got the players to play that, haven't they? So I, I, I do wonder if, hmm. uh, because one of the things that, Swansea um, were held back with last year was they were very over reliant on Andre au weren't they and yeah. now Steve Cooper obviously doesn't have Andre Ayou to uh, you know help them out when they're really really struggling um, so I, I, I probably also made the point that Steve Cooper you know did wonderful things with a Swansea side that didn't necessarily have you know talent coming out of its ears, whereas Forrest, I'd say player for player, probably have a better squad than the Swansea one from last season. I, I think there's at least an argument to be made with it. So, once you have you know a good tactical head like Steve Cooper in charge mm-hmm. with a decent side, then you look at it and think maybe this is a chance for him to. You know, be a bit more adventurous. We'll wait and see. Only time will tell, and we'll find out. Hopefully, given some sort of idea against Millwall this weekend, I do think a draw is on the cards. Considering Millwall are more than happy to, you know, battle it out for a draw, and I think Steve Cooper would probably take a draw as well. Yeah. Uh, but we shall wait and see on that point. Let's go to West Brom v QPR, Justin. Which at the start of the season you'd have said would be a cracker, and I think it still is a cracker because both teams start as well, but now. Both are without a win in their last three. What would you say has gone wrong for these two recently?
1: Uh, well, I'll start with QPR. They're, they're, they're still creating chances. They're not putting them away as often as, or as efficiently as they were earlier on in the season. Um, I think they were outperforming their XG at one point, which is not a good place to be. But they started to pick up in terms of chance creation, which is which is always good. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's creating more chances, but also... Not giving teams too many chances. They've given teams too many head starts, and they've looked a bit uh, soft defensively. Uh, I think would be the the technical technical way of saying it. So it's it's being a little bit more resolute um, defensively, as well as a bit more ruthless in front of goal. I think Charlie Austin's going to be back, and he obviously scored twice in midweek against Everton in the cup. Which you always want your strikers to be informed. And he's and he's coming up against West Brom, uh, his former club. As for West Brom, they've looked absolutely fine. Just fine though, because they just haven't been putting the ball in the back of the net. It's 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 down to that. They've been misfiring, haven't they? Um so if they start to put chances away, if they, if they get that, if they get one chance and put it away, I think um I think there'll be two or three for West Brom. It's it'll be one of those games.
0: Yeah. It's interesting for West Brom because they scored twelve in their first five games and have only managed two in their last three. But I don't mm. think in terms of You know, creating chances, they're necessarily too different. I wonder if it may be a case of teams potentially not figuring them out, but going some sort of way towards that. And then that takes you back to the argument about, you know, a lack of a plan B where um, we've seen, you know, Derby were a very good example about that just over a week ago where they part the bus and from that point on it was West Brom just trying to get the ball into the box and Derby dealing with it. Um, With QPR they're a side who have been a bit faulty at the back recently and you'd think well if that is the case and they continue to be faulty at the back then West Brom may be able to take advantage of that but QPR was still a very good side defensively. Your device has been fantastic so far this season. And Rob Dickey is just a class act, isn't he? And uh, Johan Barbe, again, uh, just consistently brilliant as well. So uh, QPR, it'll be interesting to see again what kind of uh, tactic Mark Warburton goes for here. I think for them, you're absolutely right, putting away chances has just been an absolute nightmare for them recently. They've consistently, apart from the Bournemouth game, um, last weekend or in midweek whenever it was mm. um, they have consistently been creating chances just not being able to find the back of the net and that's something that has got to be addressed here um, I mean that goes without saying doesn't it and they're not going to get as many chances you'd expect against this West Brom side <coughs> uh, excuse me I'm just so you know perplexed about QPR missing their chances yeah <laughs> um, so yeah, it, this is definitely going to be an interesting game, and I think it's a must-win really for both teams to get their things mm. back on track, really, definitely. because the last yeah. three games have really been frustrating for both, haven't they? Um, mm-hmm. Justin, let's move on to Sheffield United versus Derby, which <sighs> I, I don't really know how to feel about this game if you're in the in the shoes of a Derby fan, because having you know pulled off a miraculous result against Stoke last weekend, um despite everything that's going on off the pitch you're coming up against a Sheffield United side who are improving now aren't you and I, I don't really know what the expectations are in this game
1: I think it's just get performance and, and leave it all, on, all out on the pitch because I do think Derby have got the quality to stem Sheffield United I don't think Sheffield United are that much of a scary side I, West Brom I, I honestly I thought West Brom would do Derby about 3 or 4 nil And if it wasn't for Cal Ruse that could have been the case. Um, Now, going into this game, I think they're they're two possession-based teams who, um, you know, with Derby, they've got this resurgence that they want to put out because of everything that's going on. They're backed by a sold-out away end. So I wouldn't be surprised to see a result here from, from Derby's perspective, but obviously with the quality that Sheffield United have, um, and the the good form of, of key players like Billy Sharp for example and, and Morgan Gibbs-White obviously it's it's an interesting game from, from that perspective as well um, I do fancy a score draw and I, I think the key to this game is Morgan Gibbs-White and Ravel Morrison because they both have a similar profile where they like to find space they like to impact the final third and it's going to be those two who are going to have uh, an impact whoever's kept the quietest I think the result will swing swing their way well the opposite I way I mean fair putt
0: Fair play to Derby fans for selling out York. the way and considering tickets are thirty-seven pounds, um, and with everything that's going on off the pitch, then. I don't think many people would have blame them. But nonetheless, fair play to that. But from a Derby perspective, this is a bad time to come up against Sheffield United, isn't it? Who are looking like a rising phoenix at the moment. Are. And are looking very dangerous. Especially Morgan Gibbs-White, who is just such a talented player. I can't get enough of him at the moment. He's such a joy to watch. And in that whole game at the weekend, everything just seemed to go through him. So Derby will be fully aware that if they are going to stop Sheffield United they need to keep a tight leash on him. That's not to say they haven't got other players who will hurt you like Ilman and Dai who was fantastic uh, just mm-hmm. over a week ago. Um, they've got plenty of players who can hurt you, but Morgan Gibbs-White is looking like the real danger man for Sheffield United at the moment. But considering Derby really solid defensively, They'll be a fancy in their chances here. Having said that, Sheffield United will also be fancy in their chances of mm-hmm. getting three points here against a Derby side who have more than just problems on the pitch. Let's go to our final game that we're previewing in the midweek just in. That is Bristol City versus Fulham. Bristol City, who can't win at home, haven't won at home since January, coming up against probably the best side in the division.
1: 1-0 Bristol City. Done.
0: <laughs> You're calling it now. Yeah. The, the thing is, with Fulham, they are struggling a bit at the moment, aren't they? they? We're seeing two sides of Fulham. We saw, you know, the one that lost to Blackpool at the weekend, and then, uh, well, the weekend before, I should say, and then um, they lost to Reading at the weekend, just gone. But then they absolutely smashed Birmingham in midweek mm-hmm. as well. So I'm not really sure what to expect from this Fulham side at the moment, who are showing signs of weakness.
1: It's a, it's a strange one, isn't it? Because obviously coming out of a three-game week, um, both West Brom and Fulham have, have picked up three points each. Fulham have just won one game out of the three and, uh, and West Brom have drawn all three. Um, so yeah, it's been a bit of a strange one for both of those sides. And obviously for Fulham, they they went away to Blackpool. You expect a, an onslaught there, but Blackpool nicked the nicked the 1-0 win. Um, and then there's the Birmingham City game and then there's the game of the weekend against Reading where they created so many chances. And again, just... Didn't put them away, um, and it's it just sounds like a broken record on this on this um, on this episode. But it is literally that that simple. If you put chances away, you will you will put teams to bed because the the teams that we mentioned so far, QPR, West Brom, and Fulham, they've got the quality to do it. They're just not doing it. And as for Bristol City, not one at home since January. I think fourteen games have passed. Since then, and they've got players to hurt Fulham as well. So I'd be very nervous as a Fulham fan heading into this game because it could be another another defeat. And if and if looks on Bristol City side like it was last week against QPR, well, you don't, you never know. You never know.
0: With, with Fulham, it, it is incredibly frustrating how many chances they create, but just don't put them away. And if if it is another game where that does happen, then I think it'll be fair to raise plenty of question marks about Fulham and whether. They are this unbeatable force that we saw earlier in the season who looked Mm -hmm. like they were going to crush anything that stood in their way. I mean, they'll neglect me to say that, point out the amount of talented players they've got. Uh, But with the talented players they have got, they should be, you know, looking at this Bristol City game and thinking, yeah, we'll storm past these. But considering Mm. they have been a bit sloppy recently... I don't think you can rule anything out. You're quite right, Justin. Right, let's have a little break. After that, we'll talk about some of the big news from the past few days. Welcome back to the Second Tier Podcast. And now it's time for this. Yes, it's time for the news and points deduction mania in the championship at the moment, Justin, because Reading is set to get a points deduction of up to nine points for breaching financial rules. The club are in talks over what their penalty will be. Various reports are seeming to indicate it's going to be between six and nine, Justin, but another points deduction in the championship. It's uh, considering what everything that's been cracking off with COVID recently, it, it seems like... Punishing teams by, you know, docking them points doesn't really seem to be the way to go about it. I don't know about you.
1: I I think it's a complete farce. Um, uh, we, we could be heading into a season where relegation is decided by who's been deducted the most points. At the minute, Derby are leading that. Um, Reading are, are next. Who's after Reading? Maybe Birmingham City, maybe Forest, if we were to speculate. You know, those those teams, who they, they, they do cut... Uh, FFP or profit and sustainability quite close of, of late, but it's farcical. Yeah, why should you punish teams? I know it's in the rules, but why punish teams for overspending when you should be helping them? Um, it, it doesn't make sense to make them in, put them in a worse state um, off the pitch. It, it's completely bizarre and, and, and backward. Really, that's why the uh, EFO needs needs reforming, in my opinion.
0: If I was to play devil's advocate, though clubs in the championship have been you know spending beyond their means for quite some time derby are a prime example of that look where they are now reading are another one who have been doing that for quite some time i remember in the is it the 2018-19 season yeah. when they were spending four times on wages mm. what they're making in their income which is just mental absolutely mental um and i don't think they've particularly got much better in terms of you know how much they're spending compared to what they're owning and I imagine they're not the only two clubs who are in that position so can you really point all the fingers at the EFL when surely the teams and the owners have also got to take some of the blame here as well?
1: No you're absolutely right Um, the EFL can only do so much but the EFL is self-governed by the owners of every club, um, so they're going to they're going to look out for themselves, aren't they? Um, they're not going to put rules in place that is going to impede them in any way, which is why they've put in this thirty-nine million cap, thirty-nine million pound cap um, of the, that three-year period for profit and sustainability. Now, if you have that cap, you're going to spend up to that cap. Mel Morris admitted to budgeting just under that cap, so it just it just doesn't work. Um, so I think. Clubs are Most clubs actually are properly wanting to get as close to that cap as they can because they, they feel that they're going to compete as close to those parachute payment-affected uh, clubs uh, as much as possible, which just isn't the case. You don't have to do that. Um, there are plenty of examples of clubs not doing that and getting promoted. It's a backward way of thinking. I think the rules need uh, adjusting. I think uh, things need to put, be put in place to help clubs rather than... Um, Punish them, and um, it's yeah, it's it's just frustrating that another club is is impacted by rules set by the owners of the league that they sit in. It doesn't make sense.
0: Yeah, it's all to get a bit of a that sweet Premier League pie, isn't it? Um, but it, it's it, it's all just gambling at the end of the day, isn't it? It's gambling yeah. with the club's long-term future. For name any names, Haston uh, Villa, um, but there are other clubs who. You know, it's not worked for and now we're seeing the full effect of that Sheffield Wednesday or another club who have um, been gambling on the club's long-term future and are in a bit of a sticky situation themselves now. So, yeah, it's um, for, for, I feel like there should have been some sort of, it's easy to say this in hindsight, but it's it, sh- it feels like there should have been some foresight that this was going to happen eventually when this has been happening for season upon season, hasn't it? Where clubs are spending beyond their means. Um, with no long-term plan about what will happen if they don't get to that Premier League pot of gold. So
1: um,
0: let's stick with the theme, Justin. Derby have now officially gone into administration, meaning they've got a 12-point deduction. The administrators say their immediate objectives are to ensure the club completes all its fixtures in the Championship this season. It comes after Derby owner Mel Morris has apologised to the fans with the club going into administration. Um, As a Derby fan... What would you say to the administrators who have come into your club um, and are now trying to figure out how to sustain the long
1: term future? Pull your finger out. Simple as that. Um, the administrators? Uh, uh, yeah, absolutely. It's been well documented that administrators are just in it for themselves. Um, I don't want to be too critical of an administrators, but they get paid as well. Um, it costs Wigan two million pounds um, for their season uh, in which they were administration for and so they want to not drag the process out for as long as possible they but they their that they' they're, they're impacted by the, the administration themselves because obviously they get paid for as long as it it takes so in pulling the finger out finding a buy for the football club and getting the club on on a stable path and, and making sure jobs are secure yeah I think pulling the finger out is the the thing that I'd say to them because it Derby are a big football club um, and for a long time the EFL and other chairmen have wanted to make an example of them but now's the time to eradicate all of that and, and move on and in finding a new buyer and, and closing that chapter is the, the quickest way that's going to happen and the best way it's going to happen.
0: Seems like saying to the administrators who have at the time of recording, only being at Derby for a matter of hours. Telling them to pull the finger out is a bit harsh, Justin.
1: I don't care. I, 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 this this is, this is my football club. Um, and I want my football club to be safe. I want to, I want to a football club to support at the end of the day. And if the administrators aren't doing their job, then that's not going to happen. So, yeah, you've been in a job for three hours. Don't care. Get your finger out. Let's go. Find a buyer.
0: I mean, they've got... As we heard from Kieran Maguire from the Price of Football podcast at the weekend, these administrators have got their hands full. Um, I I think I'm right in saying as administrators go as well, they are top-tier administrators, which will be good news for Derby fans. But as I said, they've got their hands full trying to figure out the long-term future of the club, who's going to buy it, that kind of thing, and where the hell they're going to get any money from. Mm. Uh, So good luck to them, I think. They deserve that much, at least. Uh, meanwhile, Wayne Rooney is paying for players and staff, away travel and accommodation out of his own pocket, and has also promised to help support staff who were set to lose their jobs. I, I tell you what, I, I feel like this time, six months ago, Wayne Rooney was getting you know battered by Derby fans all over the place, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. Um, not as much as the owners for not giving <laughs> communication to the fans, but Rooney is really coming out of... This whole saga as you know a top top bloke isn't he no matter what the media says about him he is really showing that he is a top bloke at the end though
1: yeah it's he's showing that he's a good manager as well um he's leading the football club the the football club's not had leadership for as long as I can remember maybe since 2014 2015 when when the club changed hands to Mel Morris um and as I say he's showing leadership he's, he's showing that he's a good coach as well by getting this team playing good football um, no one expected it to, for them to only be on minus two at the moment is a a, a godsend really it's a massive surprise to everyone um, and what he's doing off the pitch I mean he paid for the, the, the drone um, that uh, analyses all the games uh, all the training sessions he paid for the drone because I imagine Mel Morris didn't want to fork out for it um, and that's just the making of the man at the minute. He's, he's proving to everyone that he's that he's got what it takes because this is uh, a hard situation to be in, let's say.
0: Yeah. The, the cynical people will be listening to this and saying, well, he is a multimillionaire and um, that's the very least people should be asking. But, you know, Mel Morris is an even bigger multimillionaire and isn't paying for any of these <laughs> things. So I think credit where credit's due, Rain Rooney really is really showing himself to be a top, top man, really. Uh, elsewhere, Wickham owner Rob Kauhig, Kuhig, Kuhig says yeah. he's considering legal action against the club's relegation. He says he's furious and that Mel Morris made a deliberate policy to fight it out and make sure they start the season in the championship. Um, any sympathy for Mr. Kauhig, Kuhig? Uh,
1: I don't have any sympathy. Uh, this actually really irks me. Uh, I understand that Derby... Um, Derby's playing squad was made up of players who, in which Derby flouted the rules, were were able to afford to, to bring in. Um, but I don't think that's the reason why Wickham were relegated. Uh, I, I think I made the point of it. It's like being in a hotel and some people get food poisoning. Um, and then you try and make a claim on your travel insurance, even though you weren't poorly yourself. Wickham weren't affected by this. Derby were under two transfer embargoes last season. Um uh, and in fact, Wickham got into the league because of uh, when they are outside the playoffs, based on PBG If I was to to, to lay that one in in there as well, I, I don't have any sympathy for Rob Kuig. I think it, they need to get on with things. I don't think they've lost out because of Mel Morris's overspending. I think they lost out because, to be blunt, they weren't good enough to stay in the league. It's a fair point. Peter boss
0: Darren Ferguson, says it'll be difficult for goalkeeper Christy Pym to get back into the team after he, quote, overstepped the mark following their loss to Reading last week. Pym has apologised for what happens, but Ferguson says he's got to have discipline. And it's too early to say whether the goalkeeper has played his last game for the club. I'm very interested to know what's Mm. happened there because it sounds like there was one hell of a kerfuffle after that uh, Reading defeat last week. Uh, Lewis O'Brien has signed a new deal at Huddersfield. It means the 22-year-old will be with the club until 2025. Uh, This surprised me because Lewis O'Brien has been linked with a move to Leeds, Mm. I think. But for Huddersfield to nail him down for what an extra four years, that's a massive boost for them, isn't it?
1: It, it, massive, yeah. Surely there's a release clause in there because, well, I mean, no, disre- no disrespect to Huddersfield, but what does Lewis O'Brien get out of it? You know, an increase in salary, but I imagine he would have been in the lead starting lineup within a, a season or two because he's a very good player. Um, so, yeah, Huddersfield have played a blinder here and they've really maximised maximised a good value uh, in their squad with, with, with getting him to agree a new deal. Yeah, really good effort from Huddersfield there.
0: Yeah, really good effort. I'd be very interested, as you say, to know what the details are of this contract. (laughs) We'll never know. We'll we'll never know unless, you know, there is a transfer clause and Leeds trigger it or another club triggers it in the near future. But uh, yeah, fair play to Huddersfield. It's a massive boost for them. Preston have given new contracts to Jordan Story and Brad Potts. Now, this is interesting, Justin. Championship clubs are being invited to trial safe standing Clubs have two weeks to express their interest in doing so and will then be given a license to do it in the new year. Hmm. Um, What do you think of that?
1: I heard it on the radio and um, I mean, I've been in away ends where there's been limbs and my shins have been absolutely destroyed. Uh, From what I heard on the radio, actually, I think that eradicates that, which is a nice it's a nice thing because if your team scores in the last minute, you want to be involved in it, and it's terrifying. It's a terrifying proposition to end up three rows in front. No idea how you got there. Um, I think in the the, the stadium's current stature, um, I think it is unsafe uh, because people want to stand. Um, so yeah, it's it's a it's a big move and uh, one that I fully support. And I think, um, I think most clubs will be on board with it. I hope.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I've spoken to. As, as part of my actual job, I've spoken to campaigners uh, of you know the victims of the Hillsborough disaster, um, and they were obviously for quite some time against safe standing, but now they've come round and realised that you know standing up when it's just seats is not safe at all, and safe standing in the current form where there's a barrier and then there's these fold down seats behind is just much safer for everyone involved so yeah I, i'd be very interested to see which clubs take part in it as well and whether this is going to become a regular thing in a you know a few seasons time um but safe standing i'm all for it and finally former cardiff and sheffield wednesday winger kadeem harris is joining metalist kharkiv in ukraine hmm. fancier trip to ukraine justin
1: I thought he'd go to Ukraine for a while, actually, but not to see Messalis Kharkiv. Um, that's a surprise, actually. I thought he might, got a, might have had a, a championship um, club come in for him. He's a good player, I think. Mm.
0: Yeah, he's, um, he, he didn't win too many plaudits for his performances at Chef Wednesday last season, but he, mm. he has shown in the past that he is a capable player mm. at this level and is at very least a squad player in the championship, really, isn't he? Anyway, now it's time for this. <laughs> All right, all right. Settle down, you lot. It's time for the Craig Bryson pub quiz. Yes, it's time for the Craig Bryson pub quiz. And yes, I have finally made a jingle. Um, don't know why I went with the Brummy accent, but there you go. Yeah, so this is the part of the show where Justin is going to give me six clues about a mystery championship legend who has made at least 200 championship appearances. All I've got to try and guess is who it is. Uh, so far this season, I am 1-0 up. Justin is yet to get off the mark yet, despite having three goes at it so far this is my third go so I've got a chance to double my lead and uh, really make Justin sweat over the next couple of weeks or so so uh, Justin let's kick things off shall we can you give me the first clue in the Craig Bryson pub quiz this week
1: I have made 289 appearances scoring 27 goals
0: Mm, lucky that sounds like a centre midfielder I will go with Dean Whitehead
1: no no, it's not. I, I, I'm sure you. Dean Whitehead's one of them ones that you say quite often as a first yeah, guess. Yeah, he's,
0: he's he's one that always comes to my head for some reason. Nonetheless, next one, please.
1: I started my career at Colchester United, where I made 136 appearances before moving on to Reading.
0: Is it Greg Halford? Poppies. <laughs> 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 what a shout that is for me! <laughs> Two, ladies and gentlemen, count them, two clues in. Surely that deserves some sort of bonus points for me there, because that was a class act in Championship. Craig Bryson pub quizzing right there. Justin head in his hands. He can't believe what's happening here. I have just dropped a massive bombshell there. Justin, how are you feeling?
1: I think my reaction said it all. I just literally fall away in my chair, going, oh, piss. <laughs> Pretty disappointing. <laughs> for
0: it- out of interest, what were the other clues?
1: Uh, my career then stalled when I moved to Reading, where I only made three appearances. And then I moved on to Sunderland, where I only made nine appearances, provided loan spells at Charlton and Sheffield United in the Championship. I then moved to Wolves before dropping into the Championship with Portsmouth. That's probably where I had his best spell. Before spells at Forest, Brighton, Rotherham, Birmingham City, and Cardiff. I I'll am so. Still-
0: Oh, you're still going? Yeah, okay, there's more clues.
1: I, there's a pretty long clue, to be fair. I'm something of a utility player, playing right back, right midfield, centre midfield, and as a striker, where I actually scored six goals in nine games. Mm. The final clue is a good one. I once joked about Derby calling the game off because of snow, despite no snow being present in the car park, before my car also got stuck in snow. <laughs> that happened.
0: <laughs> I, I enjoyed that last clue. Um, yeah, Greg Halford, to be fair to you, I've been critical of the players that you've picked for the Craig Bryson pub quiz uh, earlier this season, but that one is more acceptable, in my opinion.
1: I feel like if you played football manager, sort of the mid to late noughties, this was an easy one because Greg Halford was one of those players that you'd pick up because he could play right back, because he could play right mid and up front as well. And he was very nifty in sort of FM 08 and, and what have you.
0: If my memory serves me right, he also had a very good long throw, which he I was always oh very keen on in my early days of football manager because I am a shithouse. Um, nonetheless, ladies and gentlemen, this has been the Second Tier Podcast and this has been the midweek preview show. Um, may I remind you that who knows wins this week? The big prize, the win pot, is 1200 All you've got to do to enter the league is pay £3 and you'll be in with a chance of winning. All you've got to do is correctly predict the most correct I've said correct twice there uh, championship results from the 3pm games on Saturday and you'll be with a chance of winning why not give it a go Um, and you can also enter multiple times if you really fancy your chances so yeah make sure you download the app now who knows wins and join our league all you've got to do is enter the code second so this has been the second tier podcast we'll be back on Sunday to review all the games from the past weekend I've been Ryan Dilks I've been Justin Peach thank you for listening